Welcome to the This Week in Rays Baseball Podcast. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Thanks very much for joining us on our latest podcast. Obviously a bit quicker than we anticipated with the big deal the Rays made involving Jose De Leon and Logan Forsyth. So we'll start with Senior Vice President and General Manager Eric Neander. And Eric, let's start with the trade itself. This was not something you guys were thinking about going into the offseason, dealing Logan. But it sounds like Jose De Leon, what you got for him, was too much to to refuse. Yeah, it wasn't something that was on our to-do list. It wasn't something that we set out to accomplish in in any way. Um, This is something where an opportunity was presented to us uh, for a player that we really value um, and that we think fits us well, um, both near and long term. So not expecting to do this, not having on our to-do list doesn't mean we weren't prepared. We we do the very best that we can and our staff does a great job of being in position that should these types of opportunities come up, we are prepared to make the best decision possible in our minds. And, and we did that. We're going to miss Logan and everything that he's meant to our club. And that's not lost on any of us, but the opportunity to get Jose and how we have him evaluated was, was something we felt like we had to do. And we'll get to the loss of Logan. Tell me why you value Jose as much as you do. Why does this organization value as much as you do? What makes him a potential frontline starter in your minds? I think looking at it, we we have a lot of history with the person. We have a lot of people that have known Jose for a really long time, uh, and that gives us comfort with what makes him tick, how he's wired, what drives him to succeed, uh, and so on. And then the, the talent itself, this is someone that, that, that has you know, ascended very quickly through the minor leagues and has, has done it in a way that few starters have. I mean, this is someone that has an elite ability to put away hitters, you know, that misses bats at a rate that um, few over the last many years coming through the minor leagues could um, could really compete with. And and you look at how he does it. You know, this is a right-handed pitcher that's physical, that, that does it with a fastball that purely by the gun is not overpowering. But if you watch the swings and you watch the way he can locate, truly is overpowering in that sense. Uh, and can really pitch with his fastball. And then his go-to secondary is a changeup that he sells extremely well. Uh, that's an out pitch. And then the breaking balls are the, the, you know, those are the pieces I think that, you know, he and us are still going to want to continue to develop. But you look at right-hander, that type of repertoire, the fastball change and the success that our organization has gotten out of similar guys and getting the most out of that type of profile, be it Shields, be it Cobb, be it Hellickson, uh, Odor Rizzi, et cetera. There are a lot of guys here that we feel, you know, can really help this type of player thrive on top of his own natural abilities. That said, if there is one question mark about Jose De Leon, it's probably durability. If you count his instructional league, his extended work, he was probably up, what, 120 or so innings last year, which is his most. Is that the greatest concern for you, is durability? Because you want a guy like this with that ability to put hitters away to become a 200-inning-plus guy. Yeah, I think Getting into the medical and understanding exactly what was there and what risks presented themselves was something that was obviously very important to to our homework on this. What was reassuring to us is how he responded upon coming back. And each passing outing, he got stronger and stronger and stronger. The velo climbed through the remainder of the season and, you know, ended the season physically in a spot that probably is as strong as he's been possibly ever. And that's something that on our end, we feel really good about where the health is at the best that we can, you know, for a pitcher. And so that's that's in a good place. And then it's about pitcher of this caliber, or really any pitcher, about building them up responsibly and, and, and not putting too much on them too fast. And as fast as he has rocketed through the system, that becomes a concern, but something that when you have that type of talent, you, you, you do your best to figure it out and is very secondary. And it sounds like you believe he can help in some way this year if all goes correct. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see how things play out. We don't want to put any expectations on him too high, too low, whatever they may be. 
We're excited about the talent. We recognize what he has accomplished to this point in his career, the levels he's done it. There are still things wherever he continues his development uh, that we're going to want him to do. But, you know, this is a guy based on what he's done that that I think is, is very close to making an impact at the major league level. Logan Forsyth obviously has an impact in terms of the loss. Where are you going to miss him most? Is it what he did in the leadoff spot? Is it his defense? Is it his value in the clubhouse? Because he was considered and had grown within a very short period to become a very important guy in the clubhouse too. It's 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 all of those areas for sure. Who Logan is as a person, how he goes about his business, the example he sets. It's, it's someone that is very easy to root for and has the respect of our players, our staff, our front office. Um, so the the player and the performance on the field the production obviously is is very very good um but but the person himself and and everything else that he brings to the table is is something that's not not easily replaceable let's touch on the human side then so how was that conversation because i can't imagine that's easy you've gotten to know logan you've gotten to like logan you like him personally and then you've got to make a move that you think is better from a baseball standpoint from the long term. Yeah, it's it wasn't an easy decision. You know, it wasn't the safe decision for lack of a better term, uh, but it was it was a decision we felt was was the best decision to make and there's a job that, that we have to do and um, and it's to make decisions like that that we think, you know, put our organization in the best position to to be competitive uh, both now and over the next several years. So that that was the decision we made and we believe that that was the right thing to do and so you have that, but talking to Logan informing him of the decision, everything he's meant to the clubhouse, to the people that are a part of this organization is really difficult. It's it's a very difficult thing to do, but you, you, you have to do it and you have to trust that you are for the betterment of the organization doing the right thing in the big picture. Guessing probably one of the harder conversations you'd have to have in your, in your uh, newer role. You also have to keep in mind the rest of the clubhouse. And I'm sure you've seen Evan Longoria was not you know pleased. He's been kind of the face of the franchise. How do you handle that? And, and what kinds of conversations do you have going forward to kind of make him feel comfortable with some of the things you guys are doing as a group? Because I think the important piece of this is you're not done yet. It's still January the 24th. There's still a lot of things that I think you guys probably plan on doing to upgrade the ball club for this year. Yeah. I, you know, from our perspective, Logan's a player that we chased for a long time before we finally acquired him. You know, he didn't have the year he expected, nor did we expect in, in 2014. And then to see him break through and have the success this is that he had in 15, 16, and how important of a part of our club that, that he became made this a very difficult decision and a hard one for us emotionally uh, within the front office. That being said, I think, you know, <laughs> you take that feeling and guys that are playing with him every day and around him and are going through this on the field, you try to empathize, but the reality is you can't truly do that and the importance of of what he meant to there and the impact of that is only certainly amplified from I think the feelings that that we feel you can't run from that you can't hide from that I don't think you can be tone deaf I mean it's it's the reality of the decision these are all all factors that um, that you have to take into account that being said our expectation is when when Jose arrives and we get to see him and we get settled in and we get through the remainder of the offseason we're in a place where I think people will feel better about what has come into the organization to, to offset and, and hopefully then some over time uh, the loss of Logan himself. And I, I guess where do you go in terms of trying to replace him on the field at second base? How much of it is internal? How much of it is external in terms of your position players right now? Yeah, it's something we've spent some time on. I think it's it's premature to have a definitive plan with respect to, to what we're going to do. We do believe in some of the guys that we have on our roster currently, and this might be an opportunity for someone to step up and, and for it to be their time. At the same time, 
there is off season left to go here and we're going to keep an open mind to any opportunities that present themselves if there are other avenues to improve our club you know and whatever fit that that may be but if it plays out in a way where we we move forward with what we have in-house um you know some guys are going to need to step up but feel like they have the experiences and the ability to to do that if if that's what we need to do for the context i guess for people to remember logan forsyth was supposed to be the short side of a platoon until Nick Franklin got hurt and had an oblique injury at the start of 2015. And when you say stepping up, guys certainly will have that opportunity to fill that role, and we'll see if somebody does run with it. I think the other thing that you know we're going to spend a whole lot less time on, but is important to note, is the addition of Sean Tolleson. What does he potentially bring to your bullpen? Why did you like him? Obviously, it's a very low-risk type of deal. Yeah, we're excited to, uh, to acquire him. And obviously, coming off of a year that was a very difficult one for him, and just about everything that could have gone wrong probably did um, on the field you know, a little bit of, you know, some health issues, et cetera. But, um, you know, what, uh, what we saw upon a really deep look at him and, and talking to people that have been around him, um, is a guy that, you know, previously the two years prior, this was an established ninth inning, you know, guy that, that didn't just do the role. He did it very well. And, you know, looking at last year, the, the velocity, the stuff, what was in place, you know, largely looked unchanged and the, the health checked out. Okay. And people that have been around him and have gotten to know Sean, both in the years where he was going well and last year things weren't going so well this is this is someone that is as as much of a pro um, as as you're going to find you know a tremendous guy I think a guy within our group will fit in exceptionally well and um, has the potential to be uh, a leader you know on our staff well good luck with him good luck obviously and congratulations in adding Jose DeLeon and uh, good luck the rest of the way because I know you're certainly not done in terms of what you need to do before spring training We'll, we'll do our best to make the most of the time available. Thanks, Neil. Well, we certainly thank Eric Neander for joining us and giving his take on the deal. Uh, Neil Solon's now joined by Dave Wills, uh, one of the voices, of course, of the Rays. And Dave, I don't think that we expected anything. Look, Eric even said this was something that they were not planning on doing in the offseason. I think it comes down to the fact that they really believe Jose de Leon gives them a potentially dominant starting pitcher. And when they've been at their best, they've had a dominant starting staff. Well, you know, again, it just kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the Rays' way, at least the way it's been for the last uh, several years. And when we make trades, we've got to keep an eye on the, on, the, on the current situation, no doubt about it, but we also have to do it with a feel for what's going to happen in the next two, three, four, five years down the line, maybe even more in this case. So uh, it hurts a little bit, there's no doubt. Uh, you know, as I uh, was perusing uh, the Twitterverse yesterday mm-hmm. and talking to some fans on uh, uh, you know, out and about, uh, you know, people are going to miss Logan Forsythe, and, and rightly so. I mean, Logan was a solid player, maybe even more than that. Uh, he was on his way to possibly <clears throat> an all-star season, uh, you know, the last couple of years and uh, got uh, dinged up a little bit. But uh, from for my uh, money, I mean, he was a very, very good offensive player, could drive the baseball, could do some different things, would take a walk, did have a little swing and miss in him. But uh, defensively, I always thought, and, uh, you know, I, I was proved wrong, but I always thought he should be, one of the finalists for Gold Glove of uh, second base. I thought he played second base as well as anybody in the league two years ago, and uh, last year may have been dinged up a little bit, but uh, still played a very, very good second base. So uh, that and, you know, uh, another part that you don't really measure or you can't measure uh, with statistics, but he was one of the leaders in the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that is going to be one of the biggest voids that uh, Eric and company are going to have to try to fill now because uh, I think Logan was growing into being – the leader on the team. I think, uh, you know, he was only with us for parts of three seasons. And, uh, you know, his second season was a very, very good one. Last year he was hurt for a little more than a month. But I think Logan was starting to put his fingerprint on uh, some of the younger players. And 
trying to show them how the game is supposed to be played. He was a true pro, and I think uh, outside of his stats, both offensively and defensively, uh, I think uh, Kevin Cash is going to be hoping that if there is another trade or two to be made or an acquisition, uh, that we find somebody who can uh, replace some of the leadership uh, skills that Logan's going to be leaving behind. And, and I, I want to touch on that in a little bit. Let, let's get back to DeLeon because, I mean, I think since the Rays had the, the big three of Shields, Price, and Cobb, maybe they've had a very good rotation, but it hasn't lived up to that. And I kind of look at this as, okay, you know, you've got Chris Archer under control, you have Jake Odorizzi under control, you have Matt Andres, and now you add guys like Blake Snell improving, Jose DeLeon, who they really believe is a potential top-of-the-rotation guy, along with Brent Honeywell, and maybe you can get back to that very, very thick rotation that can eat up a 1,000 innings in a year and make the rest of your team that much better. Well, that, that remains to be seen. I mean, uh, you know, I think that that's one of the things we're looking for, too, is that when we've had the big three in the past, we had what you consider probably a couple of number ones. Uh, I think we're still trying to find out, do we have a true top-of-the-rotation guy on this team, I think Chris uh, may have put a little bit too much pressure on himself last year, and uh, uh, obviously came up a little bit short. I know that uh, a lot of people are pointing to this and that, and the additional home runs, and, and so on and so forth. But you know, my, my definition of a number one, and it may be different from other people's, but uh, my definition of a number one is a guy that's going to go out there, and when you need a win, is going to give you every opportunity to win that ball game. Mm-hmm. He's going to also give you innings. Uh, you know, not just the occasional seven or the occasional eight, or the once or twice in a year nine, he's going to give you a seven almost every single time he steps out there with the more than often uh, into the eighth inning and then maybe a handful of times get you into the ninth. And uh, we didn't have that guy last year. And so uh, hopefully somebody is able to step up. Uh, you know, I know some guys are already at the trap working out and uh, getting ready for the season, and that's always a good sign. But uh, we did add some thickness. I mean, we, we talked about this a little before. I've talked about it on the radio. I think Eric has really done a nice job of bulking up our team. I think uh, that was kind of exposed last year. Mm-hmm. It's going to be exposed on most teams when you have guys who get hurt like we did, especially when they do it in such a fashion where it seemed like everybody was hurt at the same time. But I really think that Eric and company have done a nice job of bulking up. You know, I, I got a text as soon as the Daily Own trade was official from somebody who said, oh, well, there's our power arm uh, for the bullpen. Well, in talking to some of our people in the front office, uh, the plan is for Jose De Leon to be a starter. And mm-hmm. looking at his numbers, he's not really a big power guy. 92-93 with a fastball, a pretty good fastball. But from what I understand, and it's something that we talk about on the broadcast all the time, Neil, it's a fastball that he controls and commands. And uh, he's, he's a guy that has uh, pretty gaudy strikeout numbers, very low walk numbers, uh, the type of guy that uh, this franchise can use, no doubt about it. And as you said, uh, thickens up uh, the prospect list a little bit. And judging by some of the comments that I've read and heard over the last uh, couple of days, uh, could be a guy that we see sometime this season as a starter. And, uh, you know, you're never going to just use five starters. We know that. You're going to end up using seven to ten starters throughout a season. And uh, so some thickness right there uh, should help the team. But, uh, I, you know, again, I'm kind of concerned a little bit about our right-handed hitting lineup right now. But uh, I, I thought Eric, you know, again, like he said, you get a chance to pick up a young pitcher like this, uh, that has a chance to be a top-of-the-rotation guy. Sometimes those deals are too good to pass up. Yeah, and it sounds like there wasn't really any intent to, to, to deal Logan going into this, but, you know, again, it was it was the opportunity. You know, let's look forward, and I, I look at two things. One, part of this deal also says about what they believe, you know, that they, they're going to probably make another move. And you mentioned the clubhouse void loss. 
if they went out and signed a Mike Napoli and put Brad Miller at second base, does it make him any worse offensively? I know defensively there would be some questions about Brad playing second, but the the throws would be much shorter than they were from shortstop. I mean, to me, it's not the the it, it could work out for the better overall for the team when you add De Leon to the mix. Well, it probably it possibly could. I mean, you know, as we like to say, uh, dreaming is free. I mean, I, I don't know if Mike Napoli is still looking for a multi-year deal. Uh, I know we've been uh, pretty good over the years of uh, trying to figure out ways to get guys here. I mean, Wilson Ramos is a guy that comes to mind, uh, even though he's not going to be really available to us maybe until May or June. But, uh, you know, they finagle some numbers and are able to push some things around and maybe, uh, you know, work it. We're we're not really a a team that really pays people on past performance. We've got to kind of hope that uh, the past performance will continue and then we're going to pay you for what you may or may not do for us uh, in the current uh, contract year. So, uh, Mike Napoli would be a guy that I, I think that, uh, you know, in a, from a fan standpoint, I would love to see on the rings. Uh, a guy that is a, is a winner. The guy's walking around with some rings or a ring. He's uh, been to the postseason several times. He knows what it takes to get there. And, uh, you know, he would pr- definitely provide some of that leadership that I think, uh, you know, the, the Rays clubhouse could probably use now with the departure of Logan Forsythe. And, uh, you know, but as we said too, Neil, I mean, Part of our DNA, a big part of our DNA when we run, uh, went and hung those banners in 08, 10, 11, and 13, pitching and defense, pitching and defense. And so I think uh, Eric has uh, looked at some some pitchers, obviously DeLeon coming in, Sean Collison now agreeing to a contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, he knows we had to bulk up in a couple of spots pitching-wise, and, and I still think that, uh, you know, again, I don't know what's going to happen defensively. Willie Adamas is on the cusp of coming up to the big leagues. Uh, you know, I know we've heard about Daniel Robertson. Uh, you know, Tim Beckham, for all his warts, uh, for some of the things that went on last year, uh, still played a really, really good second base when he was at second base and even played a pretty good first base uh, when he was out there. So, you know, I, I know that people are soured on Tim Beckham right now. Some fans are, but I know the front office is willing to give him another opportunity. You know, as you said, maybe Brad Miller on the right side of the infield would uh, not be as uh, you know much of a problem as he was sometimes at shortstop, even though toward the end at shortstop, I thought he played a solid mm-hmm. Uh, uh, shortstop for us after uh, Matt Duffy had gone down and we had to kind of bounce guys around a little bit. So, you know, uh, it, it, it's one of those things right now where, you know, I still think our focus has to be on adding, uh, you know, making sure that while it doesn't hurt the defense, we've got to look to add some kind of a right-handed bat because I think we're a little lefty heavy right now. And we all know what's happened in that American League East with some of the lefties that have come aboard. So it's going to be a case where I think we should, if, if we could, and I know they're looking. It's not. It's easier said than done. But I would be looking to try to add a right-handed bat and preferably with a little power to take some pressure off of Evan with the departure of Logan. Yes, I would agree. And I would think they do go that route, whether it's Napoli, whether it's Chris Carter, whatever it may be, I think they're going to add some sort of bat who can help them from the right side and even things out a little bit. But if you're going to be stronger, you'd rather be stronger left-handed against right-handed pitching, since you see that three out of four times. You usually do, no doubt. And you know, but when we know we're going to see the uh, the, the Red Sox, we're going to see two pretty prolific left-handed yep. pitchers. At least, uh, you know, it seems like we see the best pitchers from the other teams five, six times a year. But you know, I, I think that you know, from a fan standpoint, just in hearing from what what some of the fans are saying, you know, and this is the balance that Eric and and you know Matt and Heim have to have to try to. Uh, accomplish is the fact that while you know we 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 want to win in 2017 but we also want to be in a position where you know all right if we if we struggle in 17 
and we start maybe, you know, Alex Cobb moves along and free agent, some other guys move along, that we have some depth and, and have to, like you said, get that uh, next wave of really, really good pitchers and players uh, ready to go. And so, um, you know, they, they have to balance what's going on now with what they're looking at in the future. But I think some fans, and just judging by, you know, as I said, the Twitterverse and some of the texts and people that I've seen over the last uh, 24 hours, they want to start finding out what are we doing for 2017. And, and it's, I, I think if, if we can do something to make a subtle splash or a decent splash, I think Ramos was a decent splash because people have to kind of wait on him until, as we said, May or June or maybe even a little further. But I think there's some fans right now waiting for Eric and company to do something that will help us in 2017 to get the fan base excited for what might happen here in 2017 after a couple of tough seasons. Understood. And, and look, I felt, I, I felt the same way. And, and I got mixed on, on Twitter uh, about what, what people were thinking about this deal. I think some say, well, this kind of clears the way from when Willie Adamas is ready that, look, you could move Matt Duffy to second base when he's ready. You've got, you do have a lot of young, talented infielders that they believe can be everyday guys, and you do have versatility with the players you do have. And if you did that at some point, well, you'd become right-handed again third base, shortstop, second base, if you go that route and have Miller at first. I mean, you do have you have a lot of options. Some of them are younger than others. I think they probably want to give some guys a little more time to develop. Uh, but I think in the in the you know very near term, I do think the Rays kind of feel they've got some guys who are going to give them that thick and also more athletic lineup. It, it's, I don't disagree. I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, again, I think we're all excited to see what Willie Adamas can bring to the table, and uh, you know, there's been some comps, whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, with what Francisco Lindor did to the Cleveland Indians a few years ago. Now, I think that might be putting a little too much mm-hmm. pressure on uh, on Willie to expect him to do that. But with that being said, you know, this is a microwave society. We we have found that out where you know people don't want to wait two, three, four months to find out what's going on with a player or uh, you know to see if he's going to help us. Uh, prospects are just that; they're prospects, and I know we've got some very, very good ones. But I think a lot of people want to find, you know, acquire it. It costs money, and you know, it's 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 tough to come by. We don't necessarily go shopping in the, uh, uh, you know, the big the big dollar stores, and because we just can't afford it. But I think a lot of people are kind of waiting to see. All right, they they anticipate another move because this did leave a little bit of a void, and I think we're all kind of anxious to see what Eric and company are going to do because I think if they are going to make a move, this is going to kind of for some fans it'll signal whether or not. They truly believe that uh, this team is going to be able to compete in 2017. The one thing I will add to that is you talk about lack of patience before we close this out is, look, when Logan Forsyth was with the Rays in 2014, probably a lot of people weren't patient, and the Rays were patient with him. We talk about fan patience, our patience, etc. Look what he became. Um, I think we probably also have to look at that through these deals and as this whole thing evolves. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, you know, Logan Forsyth was a guy that uh, fans wondered why in the world did we trade what we did to get him when he first came here. And I remember sitting in uh, Joe Madden's office because he was the manager at the time, wondering why Logan wasn't down at AAA to get uh, more consistent at-bats and work on that swing. And they kept on telling us about the -the under-the-hood numbers that showed that Logan was getting the job done. He was just hitting into some bad luck. And then once Logan did get the opportunity to play almost every day, uh, not only did he become a very, very consistent offensive guy, but he became, as we said many times, one of our better defensive players. And I thought, as I said, should have been a gold glove consideration uh, second baseman. So, you know, that, that's, that's the difference between, you know, and I say that. Our fans uh, have a tendency to run out of patience and get 
a little uh, antsy sooner than you and I and Andy mm-hmm. do, and then we pass it along, and that's when uh, Kevin and uh, you know Haim and Eric and, and Matt start to uh, show some uh, whether or not they've got patience. And, and kudos to them and bully for them. They've been able to pull it off a number of times. Uh, when I was ready to pull the plug on a few guys, they're like, no, just hold on, hold on. I go back to 2011 and 2013 with Jose Lobaton. Yep. Uh, you know, Lobaton was a guy that I was wondering why he was there. Sure enough, Jose became a very, very solid uh, second-string catcher. So those guys know what they're doing. Uh, that's why I'm glad they're the GM and they're the baseball operations guys, and I'm just the broadcaster. But, uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm, I, we got a lot of uh, uh, a lot of positive feedback on Jose De Leon. I'm anxious to see him pitch. I'm hoping that Sean Tollison can give us a little depth in the bullpen. But I think like uh, a lot of other fans, I think now we're kind of sitting around waiting to see if Eric is going to add a, a right-handed bat to this lineup uh, to help us uh, get some W's in 2017. I think you will. Uh, Dave, I appreciate some time on the podcast today, and certainly we appreciate Eric joining us on the podcast today. When the Rays do make another move, we're certainly going to have another one. So until then, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you soon.